Hello, and welcome to The Lovely Life with Trina McNeely. I'm going to help you learn to love your life, your everyday life, not the one you idealize from Instagram or the one that's on the other side of overwhelm, stress, and anxiety. I'm talking about the one you woke up to today. This is a podcast about learning to live better spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, no matter what you're going through. Living the lovely life doesn't mean that your life is devoid of pain and problems or that everything looks perfect. Quite the opposite. It's simply learning to find beauty in the midst of the mess and choosing to participate in your life even when it's not going your way. In this conversational and contemplative podcast, you can expect thoughtful interviews, faith-filled encouragement, and practical tips to help you create space for peace and joy today. So listen in, friend, because together, we're going to learn how to make our everyday a little easier, more meaningful, and truly beautiful. Today's conversation is on grief and growth. I've brought my friend Jessica Lindbergh on to talk with us and share her story and how she's learned that we've been created for the life that we have. You'll see that Jessica is no stranger to grief, and therefore she has so much wisdom to share with us. I know Jessica in real life. She's a real life friend who lives in the same town. In fact, when we recorded this podcast, we were actually in the same neighborhood recording virtually. Jessica has been an inspiration in my life because of the way that she's handled her traumatic grief. She's an absolute light and inspiring person, as you'll see. I'm so excited because Jessica is launching her own podcast this week, the HeartStrong Podcast, and you are not going to want to miss it. A few more things about Jess. She's a writer and a change maker with a passion for the divinity of every human heart. She's built a powerfully resilient life through horrific personal traumas. Jessica inspires and encourages others to meet life's challenges and turmoil to thrive. Jessica is also the founder of the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation and the Four Hearts Shop. She has such cute products you're going to want to check out too. You can find out everything about Jessica at jessicalindbergh.com. Now let's listen in. Hi, Jess. Welcome to The Lovely Life. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Hi, Trina. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Well, this is just really exciting. You are a friend in real life and someone that I really admire. You have such an incredible and beautiful and heartbreaking story. And I would love for you to just start out by sharing with the listeners a little bit about your story. Well, thank you so much for asking. And it's a joy to be here and to be able to share with everyone. So I'm a mom to four boys. My oldest son, Ethan, was born um, with a congenital heart defect. And it was a pretty severe one. 
And he spent a lot of time in and out of the hospital. And being a first-time mom, I dove into that and learned all that I needed to and really had to reframe what my expectations of motherhood were going to look like. And so Ethan lived on this earth for seven years, and he spent probably about two of those seven years in the hospital. So there was a lot of back and forth. And he passed when he was seven. I also have two middle boys, my sons, Blake and Chase, which are now almost 12 and nine. And then I have a young son, my youngest son, who is going to be six tomorrow, actually, was born two years after Ethan died and he came to earth with a very rare muscular dystrophy. So he has a ton of special needs. So my journey of motherhood has been very sordid and really challenging, to be honest. And I've had to reframe so many expectations and thoughts that I've, that I've had. But in the midst of, of being a mom and doing all those things, I also created the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation. My husband and I did after Ethan died, mostly because we just wanted to change some things that we saw in the ways families were experiencing their journey with their children. And I also created a, an online retail shop called The Four Heart Shop, which supports the foundation. And interspersed with that, I'm a girl of loves to do many different things. I've created events and workshops. And I like to write also like you do. So I've really tried to take, like you said, my heartbreaking, but I hope inspiring story and kind of combine that with some of my gifts and talents to create good things for this world. So we're all trying to make sense of our story. And, you know, that's kind of how I've leaned into mine. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, when I think of someone that has taken heartbreak and utter devastation and found hope and not only has found hope, but is sharing hope with others and making something beautiful out of something so broken. You are one of the first people that comes to mind for me. And it's been so encouraging and just an honor to watch you do that so many times in my life, just watching you pursue purpose and healing has encouraged me. So I know your story is going to encourage every person listening today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. In talking, you've mentioned with me that we grow the most through the difficult times in our lives. And obviously, as you've just shared, you've experienced what no parent should ever have to experience. How did you journey through the grief? I'm curious if you can kind of share what that looked like for you. If you can kind of bring us along, give us a glimpse of that journey, because I know that there's people listening who may be on a similar journey um, of grief and, and at varying stages of it. Yeah. I mean, grief is really part of life <laughs> as much as we sometimes don't want to admit that. I mean, everyone goes through something in their life that breaks their heart. Mine happened to be my son dying, which is obviously a pretty significant thing to go through, but it is a long journey and it's a lifelong journey. So there's a lot to unpack there. But when I was thinking about this before we got on the call, I was thinking about how in the early stages, I just felt so much disbelief and I felt so abandoned. I mean, I felt that way. I felt abandoned by God. I felt abandoned by people that were part of Ethan's story that I wished had done things differently. And it was really that 
just feeling broken open and not even knowing where to go. But I think that there's like a handful of things that have been, you know, guideposts, I think of my journey with grief that I've can look back on and are things that I did or pieces and parts of it that have kind of helped me journey along. And I think for me, one of them is that I had to question absolutely everything. I had to question the choices that I had made medically, you know, and choices I'd made for my family. I had to question my faith. I, I was like, is this the God that I think that I know? You know, I really had to go through that. And people in my life gave me permission to do that, which was such a beautiful gift. And I gave that permission to myself. I think second of all is that I I always felt like my life had purpose. I never lost that in my story, like even had having just like that spark or that even little flame inside of me that said, I know that there's purpose in this somewhere and I have to find it. And in that I wanted to write my story. I wanted to decide how my story went. I didn't just want it to be one of fear or sadness or death. I wanted it to be a story of life. And Ethan as a child was a super fun and funny and life-filled kid. And so in my mind and in my heart, I was like, this can't, this spark of his can't end with his death. There is something more for me to do. And so that determination kind of propelled me. And then as I, as I decided I wanted to write my story and sort of like allowed that to, to come through me, I really leaned into my talents and gifts. And so my background is really in marketing, advertising, you know, creative things. And I wanted to use those skills and combine those with my experience to try to make an impact for the world. I think everybody wants to make their story matter. I think we all do. And it's sort of our challenge of figuring out how to do that. So there's so much about the journey, but I think that those are some some guideposts or some signposts for me that kind of help me to move through it. What would you say to the person who is completely paralyzed and overwhelmed with grief? I would say to a person who is overwhelmed with grief that it's okay to be overwhelmed with grief. I would say that it's okay to be where you are, that just to validate that. I think sometimes we just need that validation when we're in that space. And I tell them that they have been completely cracked open and they are in a very tender space. But I'd also say that this is a birthplace of finding out more of who you're created to be. I think that I didn't see that at the time, but that's really what was happening for me. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important is to validate that grief. Unfortunately, there's people in our lives sometimes that are trying to hurry us through the process or say things like, get over it or it's time. And sometimes they're well-meaning. Sometimes they've never traveled through grief in a, in the deep extent themselves. And so I think there's so much freedom when a person can be validated and know that they can take their time through the process. Mm-hmm. And so. I also think too, when people say they hurry us along or they have a timeline in their mind, that's more about them. Because mm-hmm. the reality is that us as humans and most of our society is actually very uncomfortable with grief. Mm-hmm. And there, even though we all experience it, which is the irony to me, 
But because we can't fix it for each other, we can't fix that. We actually have to sit with one another if we decide to enter into it with someone. And that's an uncomfortable space for people. And I will tell you, to be honest, before I experienced this myself, I knew other mothers whose children had died because I was living in this community of people with sick kids. And Mm -hmm. I was inadequate in my response to them because I think I was afraid to be in that space because I didn't want to know I could also be, but I just didn't know what to do. So I think we need people to share their stories. We need to see people work through this. And then we need to invite other people into the space to do that too. And you're not going to get, you're not going to catch someone's grief or catch their illness or catch their situation by sitting with them, but you are going to make them feel seen and validated. And it's a, a beautiful thing to sit with people in that space. That's really good. I think sometimes that's it is the other person who cares for you is so afraid that you're going to be lost in that, that you might not ever come out of it. But by sitting with you and entering in it with you, like you say, I think actually does propel healing and and walks a person back into hope. This is kind of a left field question for you that I wasn't going to ask, but I think it's a really practical and important one. I know so many times when we see other people going through grief, especially when it pertains to death, that type of loss, we don't know what to do. And so often a lot of people will send a text to say, let me know if there's anything I could do or, oh, I don't want to bother them. And just being around grief a little bit more myself, I kind of see it differently now. Just do the thing that you might have on your heart or Mm. do reach out. Don't, don't stay quiet because you don't want to be a bother. And I wonder if you could speak to that and maybe give the listeners some practical advice on how to practically come along someone grieving, what kind of space you should give them, or should you drop off a meal or send a card or offer to sit with them in the hospital? What would you say to that? Yeah, I think it is exactly what you said. It's in the showing up. And like I said before, I think we're scared to do that. It's okay to be honest about that. But mm-hmm. I do, I agree. I The one thing is you, when you're in that space, when somebody says, well, call me if you need something, let's be <laughs> honest, you're not going to make that call. You're just no. not going to. And so it's, it's in the showing up, like you said, dropping the meal off or sending a text, Hey, I'm thinking about you today. It's saying, I want to drop off something to their house. It's remembering the dates that are important to them, the day their person died, or there's some significant thing for them. It's just showing up in those spaces. And it's also saying, if you feel comfortable saying, Hey, can you tell me a little bit about this? Tell me about that person. Tell me about the things that you're thinking about or wondering about or questioning right now. Like be willing to, you know, just sort of be in that space and you don't have to have the answers because the reality is no one does, but showing up is such a gift to people in that space. Yeah, that's, that's really so very helpful. And I know I've not experienced loss like you have in the small ways that I have, you know, it, it feels very lonely and isolating. Yes. And so for people to enter in or just listen, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so much imploding on the inside of you is 
such a gift. And it's really, it's not about the answers. It's about just listening and standing beside the Mm -hmm. person. In holding space, just holding that space, letting them be exactly who they are in that space, say things Mm -hmm. that they're thinking, question things they're questioning, and just giving them that is such, it is a gift. That's really great. I love the word picture of, of holding space. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So one of the other things that you had mentioned to me that we've talked about and that we both really, really agree on is that you say that we're all called to create beauty in this world and our stories and often our heartaches offer us clues for how we can do that. Well, you know that I'm all about creating beauty and I'm all about clues. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always looking for the clues. So how did you begin to notice those clues in your life? And how would you encourage others to notice their, their clues if they aren't so obvious? Yeah, I think that in the early days, that was really hard. I didn't know what they were. I mean, I've always been a very curious person and always had an active mind, like it probably drives some of the people around me crazy because I'm always <laughs> thinking of ideas. <laughs> so that's kind of how I'm wired. And so that is part of it. But I really started trying to just notice things. And I found so much value and I've learned to find so much value in silence and in even just walking outside in noticing. And I think when we take notice of when you're in deep grief, for me, I came to realize the value of things that I didn't see the value in before. You know, the moments, the dimples in my kids' hands or the way that they felt, just the the things that you don't notice because you're too busy. And I really even, I'm a very, I have a very busy life, but I always try to like notice things. And I think that's where we find beauty in the noticing. And it's in the mundane, right? I mean, you and I love beautiful spaces and great clothes and, you know, all those things, but the beauty is in the moments. And I think I learned that because I didn't have any more moments left with Ethan. And he taught me that. I mean, we found so much joy in singing in the hospital room or creating a funny movie on our iPhones. So I think the beauty is found in the noticing, but we have to look for it. Yeah. I could not agree more. I know beauty has been an answer to an ache in my life. Mm -hmm. And it all begins with noticing and paying attention. Yeah. I concur. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes that's hard, right? When we have so much in our hearts and minds and we just feel so crushed, like it is hard. But I think that is one step people can take is just take a moment to notice and see what you see. Mm -hmm. It's really, really good, Jess. So you believe that we were made for the life that we have and that we can embrace what we have and who we are. And I'm wondering what that looks like for you, because I know so many of us, and especially when we deal with really difficult things like you have, it's so easy to question or to want to change your life or to make it look different. So how do we and how have you begun to really accept who you are and what you have and, and the beauty in that? 
Well, that has not been an easy process for me. And truthfully, I think it's, it is something that I'm continuously working on, but you know, after my son Bodhi was born, so he was born, I think I said before about two years after Ethan died and he, we were, we didn't know he was going to, you know, be born with this severe rare disease. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, okay, God, you've totally got the wrong girl here. Something is wrong. Like what, you know, I, I was just, I was so paralyzed. I didn't even know what to do and truthfully didn't even admit to myself exactly what was going on. Cause I just couldn't take it in. But as time went on, I just adopted this belief that I said, no, you know what? I was created to be Ethan's mom and Blake and Chase's mom and Bodie's mom and to be in the communities that I'm in and create the things that I've created and that my life, I was created for the life that I have. And I found so much power in that. And I think as women, I know as women, it's so easy to look around and be like, look at her life, especially on social media. Look at her, look at her. Oh, that must be better. Or that must be better. So much so that we can never find the gifts in our own life. And sometimes truly finding the gifts in my life is, is a conscious choice because I don't feel them, but I do believe that God makes us for the life that we have. And when I've made that choice, I've been able to embrace that. I've actually really been able to create some of the best things that I think I've created. And then when we embrace our life, then we can look at other people's life and be like, well, wow, that's really cool that she's that way. And, you know, I also think as women, it's like, we all wanted back into high school, we all wanted the same jeans or the same purse, you know, and you, you kind of want to be in that, but how cool is it that we're actually different and that we're unique. And I think if we can embrace that in ourselves and in others, I mean, we're all created to be different and that's the beautiful part of it. And instead of looking at someone's life and either pitying them or being jealous of them, you can just embrace them, who they are, celebrate that. But I think that doesn't come until we do that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. It's like choosing to embrace the life we've been given. Yes. Creates the space for us to celebrate other people and their lives. Yeah. And it, and I will be totally honest with you. There are many times even now, I mean, my son Bodhi requires so much special care that I feel like I have little freedom in my life. And I look around, I'm like, Oh gosh, I mean, I wish I was in her situation. I still do that. I'm being completely honest. I think we all do, but you know, but I'm like, no, this is who I'm created to be. And I'm going to embrace her and find out how to be the best Jessica that I can be and the highest self that I can be, because that's the Jessica that God created. You know, I think that's one of the gifts we get is we get to mine for this person that we, who we are. And I think that's our highest form of gratitude and gift that we can give to the world in validation of the person that God had in mind. I love that, that it's a form of, of gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude isn't just something we speak with our lips, but it's also the way that we live our lives. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I want you to share with everyone what you're working on right now, what your upcoming projects are. I know one of them and I'm hoping you'll share about that now because you are such a wise and beautiful soul and spirit and you have so much to share with others. So I'm, I'm super excited. So I'm going to let you say it before I blurt it out. (laughs) (laughs) So just like you, I am starting a podcast. I'm right now working on my first season, which will come out November 2nd, which is probably this episode will probably air 
after that, I'm assuming. So you will be able to know and see the HeartStrong podcast, which will be in the world on November 2nd. And I'm, and I'm super excited about it. I think it's such a fun forum. And I love learning from people. They say you're supposed to follow what you're curious about. And I'm curious about other people. And so the HeartStrong podcast is really going to be about how do we grow through the challenges of our lives? What does that look like? What do other people do? What have they created? How do they live? Because what I've learned is that I have needed those people who have gone before me to learn from so Mm -hmm. that I can learn and think, okay, I can do this too. And I want to hold a lantern up for other people, for women who, especially who can say, gosh, you know, I want to create something out of my story. And maybe they'll learn something from one of my guests that will help them Mm -hmm. do that. And I think that brings us a lot of joy. And I want people to live, you know, full lives. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I think people, when they listen into your podcast, Heartstrong, I love the name. It's going to illuminate a lot of clues like we talked mm-hmm. about for their own lives. I know that's happened to me so many times in books or podcasts yes. or teachings or, you know, quotes or whatever that I wasn't necessarily seeking out, but I'm just like, that's a direct clue for my life and my journey. So I know HeartStrong is going to be such an encouragement to people and offer them strength and insight and wisdom and clues so they can write their story and live the life that they were created for. So I'm super excited for you and everyone to tune in. So before we end, I love to wrap up by asking all of our guests a couple of questions about their everyday lives, because we are looking to live our everyday lives well and better, spiritual, emotional, mental, and, and physical ways. I would love to know what is one thing that makes your life, your everyday life a little easier? I guess I would have to say there's two things. They kind of go together. But for me, it's physical movement. I've got to move my body. And then coupled with that prayer and meditation. So just kind of those physical and spiritual practices, I need those in my life. And even if I just do one of those a day, I just have a better day. I'm a better mom. I'm clearer headed. So those are for sure things I need in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what would you say makes your everyday meaningful? I would say that knowing just in my bones that I am here for a cause bigger than myself makes me, makes my life more meaningful. Excellent. And then last question, what is one thing that has helped you make progress? in your life, whether it's spiritual, emotional, mentally, or even physically, just anything that's helped you make progress. I think learning to ask for help has helped me make progress. Frankly, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a do-it-yourself sort of gal. That's kind of my mentality, but I have learned that there are people ahead of me on the journey. And like you just said before, we can find that in books and in podcasts and quotes. It's It's just a matter of being open to learning from others. And sometimes it's an expert, a therapist, a coach, but just really admitting I needing help and asking for help has has been a huge gift to me. And I've really had to learn how to do that. I love it. I think that's such an important 
thing that helps us to progress a lot quicker than trying to do things and carry things all on our own. So, so insightful. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a delight to talk to you. I feel so encouraged myself and I'm so excited for people to listen to this episode. Thanks, Jess. Thank you, Trina. It was fun to talk to you. I'm Trina McNeely. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Lovely Life. If you love what you hear on this podcast and want other people to know that their everyday life can be beautiful and meaningful, then I want you to leave a five-star review and take a moment to subscribe to this podcast. Did you know that we have an online Lovely Life community? It's where we continue the discussion and cheer each other on. I want to personally invite you to join. Simply go to facebook.com slash groups slash lovely life community. For show notes and to subscribe to episode emails, visit trinamcneely.com slash podcast. Now I want to know what's making your everyday a little easier, more meaningful, and truly beautiful. Share with us all by using the hashtag LalaLovelyLife on social media. Until next time, friends, here's to leaving behind perfect and learning to live better.